This is your first time on Lead Them to Life. It is. How do you feel? Uh, no, I'm excited. But I, it feels less. You're less doing the pot. You're doing the Joe Rogan thing. Do you know that? What's the Joe Rogan? The Joe. Thing? So you're recording. I, I know that you're recording now. So you're using this as the opportunity to warm up, and you'll pull something to use at the beginning of the show. Sneaky, you're sneaky, on to lead me, Um. So what, he in California he had some like big, like almost like not like a museum, but a, a room with like a bunch of things. And so he'd show people things, and then eventually make the way to the studio to like start the conversation. And then you could tell there's definitely a beginning to the show. But by then he's been talking with them for an hour. That's what I should start doing, because then it feels more natural. Right. Right. Because you're not constrained. Yeah. By rate, like I. So this is my water bottle. And <laughs> what do you think about it? Isn't the pink really neat? Well, it's, it's so fitting for this time of yeah. the year. And yeah, this the is third the um, coaster. It's fantastic. I wonder why coasters Cork. are called a coaster. That's a good question. You know what I'm saying? And yes, then here's anyway. the little remote for the yes, timer. But that you don't um, need because you just let it roll. <laughs> You're listening to Lead Them to Life, where it's our prerogative to explore what it means to be authentically human and fully alive. We have far more questions than answers, but believe that extraordinary answers can be found in the ordinariness of a journey. I'm your host, Emily Leadham. Hello, friends, and welcome to this episode of Leadham to Life. Bergwald, finally. Finally. Today is the day. So you are officially I'm, on Leadham to I, Life. I, I, I am. I am somebody. <laughs> Chris, I'm so excited you're here. I'm very excited to be here, Emily. Okay, introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about you. Uh, Chris Bergwald, Jermaine's husband for 21 and almost a half years. Um, father to Elena, Carl, Noel, Alexi, Mercedes. Five kids. They're all born and raised here in Sioux Falls. Um, Jermaine and I met in college. She's from Ohio. I'm from Citroen, Minnesota. You know my story. I don't know how deep you want me to go. <laughs> um, I want to know, what it, who, what's Mercedes? What's what's her what's she named after? So Mercy <clears throat> or the car? Uh, the name. Oh. The name. So it's it's actually That was anticlimactic. Well, I know. <laughs> um, no, it's not. No, no, it's better than that. Oh, oh. <sighs> All right, so quick story on on the car version of the name. When Mercy was born, Alexi who's next up. Uh, if you didn't catch it when I went down. Yeah. Um so Alexi was almost she was 5 days away from turning 3. Okay. So little three-year-old, I want to hold the Mercedes. One day, Alexi, you'll get to hold the Mercedes. But so that was her line. Like, I, want to, I want Mercedes. to hold the Mercedes. I, I love want it. The Mercedes. I love it. Um, Mercy, Mercy and Elena are both, Jermaine and I, for some reason, are really drawn to Spanish names. Really? Elena is a character Looking in Looking at you, I'm not sure right? where that comes uh, from. <laughs> like the whitest like a, guy I know. I know. I know. <laughs> um, uh, Lena is a character in War and Peace. Jermaine and I had both read War and Peace. Okay. We both really liked the name before we knew each other. Really? Yeah. Yeah. That's what brought you so, together. That's what. Is that on your first date? <laughs> what was your, what you would you like to name our first child? <laughs> and you decided, oh, I really love the name Elena. Yeah. Do you like that name? That will determine that's, whether or not we can go on a second work. date. <laughs> so it was, uh, yeah, Elena. And then I think Mercedes, similar thing. Now, interestingly, Mercedes has an aunt Mercedes. Uh, Jermaine's brother married a Mercedes, but uh, she's from Spain, literally. Okay. But she's 
we made very clear to Mercedes Smeltzer, we're not naming Mercedes after, after you. you. <laughs> because <laughs> actually awesome. Jermaine's family has this thing about names. Like there's a, like, like, so we, we, we're really, like you can't repeat names. Yeah. Or... And not in a harsh way, not like a, a but, but just more of a respect, like for, Hey, is it, would it be okay? We So we did. Are you, are you okay with us naming our baby? It's not really yeah. after you per se, but are yeah. you okay with that? And she said, oh, yeah. yes, yeah. in my honor. <laughs> yes, of course. So what should we name our baby? Any ideas? Well, <clears throat> I really like the names that you're considering. Have so, I told you our names? Yeah, I did. You did. Oh, so I have a new one. I'm not going to tell. I'll tell you after. Okay. I was going to say, you're not going to say that on Lead Him to Life, are you? Well, Maybe that could be the would. special bonus offer for, you know, you could make this, you should make this a subscription thing. And then for like people, if, if they're subscribers. For $1 million. You can find you out the little, like, if you, if you subscribe, you'll uh, get the inside scoop. Oh my god! What gosh. names are we thinking about? Not a bad about? idea. Not a bad idea. Did you know that there's a person... Um, oh, Sancta Nomina, I think is her blog that you can pay, um, her to do a name consultation with you. <laughs> I kid you not. It's the, it's the coolest Holy thing name, ever. Sancta it's this Nomina. like stay at home mom or something like that. Um, that her business is giving ideas for baby names wow. and then and she'll like do an inventory with you or like a questionnaire to get, get an idea of what names you're drawn to. Uh, saints that are meaningful to you, if you like more classical or more, you know, unique names or whatever. Um, but I think it's like so fun. That is cool. That is cool. I probably wouldn't do it only because I'm too, I feel like I have my own name ideas kind oh, of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what you, I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That I would yeah. be like, I'm not much of a gambler in that way of like, oh, right. I'll pay and like see if something sticks right. kind of thing. Um, you're of St. Joseph. So Joseph, I think, I feel like I, I'm pretty sure it's not your top if it's a boy, but I for think sure that might middle be one name. Of, yeah. Um, I, I always like Michael. Mm. Uh, and then girl, <gasps> the girls, I, I, I have, a, we have four girls. Yeah. Um, and Elena was Elena, but starting with who ended up being Noel and then Alexia and then Mercedes, I was going for Evangeline. Evangeline. I just, we just got a, um, Christmas card. From a family. Oh, it was Nick Davidson. Do you remember Nick oh, yeah. Davidson? Yeah. So he's going to come back on the podcast pretty soon. But um, oh, oh, he's been on the podcast already. Yeah, sorry, uh, sore subject. Sorry. <laughs> 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 oh gosh, but his littlest is Evangeline, yeah. which I think is so sweet. But I don't know if I could do it because we just watched Princess and the Frog. Okay. Well, Have you seen this movie? No. And the. I don't know if I'd recommend it. I always add that caveat anytime I name a movie or a show or something. I'm like, I wouldn't recommend it because somebody's going to write in and be mad at me. Yes, that's, that's like, true. This one is all with like voodoo and whatever it is. It's kind of dark. But the little uh, lightning bug is in love with the star and her name is Evangeline. So it's the sweetest. So all you... I can think of is. That's what you think Evangeline. Of. So it first came on my radar because, as you might recall, I was a huge fan. And M, M, it's present tense. I'm a huge fan of the show Lost that ran over yeah. 10 years ago. And, and Didn't you the, hate the ending? No, no. A lot of people hated the ending. Very you controversial ending. I, no, I loved the ending. Oh. I loved the show. Um, and the the actress who plays the lead uh, female character, Evangeline. her name's Evangeline Lilly. 
But it means God, it means good. It's, you know, it's, it's derivation of evangelize, and that's what I'm all oh, about. Oh, interesting. Good news. I mean, huh. I, I thought there were all sorts of meaningful cool connections. meaningful things. Yeah, but I lost out. And then, and then Jermaine, to be fair to her, she wanted, I think, what? Oh, she, oh, Patricia. Jermaine mm. really wanted a Patricia. But mm. I'm like, eh. So, mm. names mm. that we have not used. You just insulted someone named Patricia. I know. Tr- I know. Trisha Irvine. I'm sorry. <laughs> I like Trish. I think that's I like, cute. I like I like Trish Irvine. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. See what I did there. Okay, Bergwald. Yes, ma'am. So you really went through a pretty uh radical shift in your life, I think in college. Yep. Yep. And I'd love to I'd love to just talk maybe as a starting point to talk about that a little bit. And uh it was primarily I think in an intellectual shift for you. And so, yeah, I'd love to know what that, what that journey was like. Um, what happened? What was your experience? So the, the guy who, when I, so I'll tell this story, but I'm sort of presuming you've heard it already for just a minute. The guy who I called um, when my, when my reversion was kicking off later, years later told me as, cause I, I described it for a long time as a, as a, and as an intellectual conversion and his, no, it wasn't really, what do you mean? There's a lot going on in your life. Oh, that that's true. Yeah. That's true. But at least superficially, it was. And in that's many how ways, you perceived it. It was, it was um, at a certain level, a primarily intellectual. Com- so mm-hmm. I'm walking across campus, the University of Minnesota, um, having become a, just out of sheer laziness, um, lost thousands of dollars in scholarships because I, bad grades, failed two classes. Um, uh, so I have to work now. I'm walking across campus. To work um, at, there's a Taco Bell in the Dinky Dome in Dinky Town, which will mean nothing but to people who know the U of M. Yeah. Uh, and I was stopped by two um, two college-age guys, uh, and, and they weren't campus, what was called Campus Crusade for Christ then, crew. Um, I'd encountered them before, but these two guys were just, they were from a... a a uh, non-denominational evangelical church, and they were just doing kind of informally missionary work on campus. Do you want to get do, do a Bible study? By the grace of God, I said yes. So we started meeting, and immediately, just having been raised Catholic, I'm like, okay, I'm a little too stubborn as a German. Like what they were saying was, I, I it was moving in me, uh, but not in a way that they expected. So, so my faith was being rekindled. But I, but I was skeptical. Of, that's not the right word, but for lack of a better word, skeptical of them, uh, or not them personally, but their theology. So I called. Um, I'm from a small town, so he was my deacon and my dentist and my confirmation instructor. Shut up, uh, Phil. My deacon, <laughs> deacon Doctor Phil, my own Doctor Phil, your very own Doctor Phil, <clears throat> my very own Doctor Phil. Uh, Phil, this is happy, and he recommended some books. And that's why Emily described it as primarily an intellectual, and because I, they were prompting questions, which we call we consider apologetics questions now, um, in my mind. So I wanted to know what are our as Catholic, uh, what are our answers to the questions they're provo- they're they're prompting. So I started reading. I realized, okay, I've got to come back because I was I I didn't go to a different church. I just was doing nothing. Um, so I returned to the sacraments, went to confession. That's a whole story. I was going to say, that's a big jump. Uh, well, <laughs> well, this is, so this all started early October of 1994 and December. So two months later, I'm just messing with you. I'm just messing with you. 
but by December, I, I, I don't know if I'd started going to mass yet, but I knew to receive that I had to go because I've been skipping mass, um, let alone some other things. So I had to go to confession. Um, but I went to confession um, with a priest from a religious community and his theology was bad. Oh, sad day. So oh, sad yeah, day. I got absolution, but he, it was one of those classic things you hear about. Oh, that's not a sin. Mm. Really? Mm. I think it is. So, hmm. Okay, I feel like that could be a little bit scandalous to some of our listeners that are thinking like, wait, what? So first of all, okay, confession, what, um, very, very briefly, what is it? For somebody that might not be familiar, why do we go? uh, And um, yeah, what's the role of the priest there? Right, so so confession is when you go to an an ordained Catholic priest, um, and this would include bishops and the Pope as well. Um, So a a man who's ordained as a Catholic priest to to confess, especially the serious sins, what we call mortal sins. Uh, And the reason we do that, going back ultimately biblically, is Jesus explicitly gave the authority in his name to forgive sins in his name to the apostles. And then we believe apostolic succession that was handed on to bishops and priests. Yeah. So this is the way that, especially for serious sins, we get clean. You know, a, a priest who we both know, Father Joe Vogel uh, in Diocese of Sioux Falls, uh, after confession's over, he'll, he'll often say, you're lily white because there's mm-hmm. a purity in our soul. Even though we might still have sinful inclinations, desires, mm-hmm. there's a purity in our soul. Have I ever told you what Father Al Krzypalski said to me after? I don't think so. So I had an experience probably my sophomore year, uh, December 12th of my sophomore year of high school. And so it would have been yeah, 2007. Uh, and I had gone into confession with him. And I remember him saying he handed me this like crinkled, sick, nasty tissue paper from <laughs> Kleenex from his... Uh, from his pocket. He mm-hmm. said, I promise it's clean. That's the first thing I remember, which I just thought was hilarious. Cause I just, I just, it was really emotional. It was a very emotional experience for me. And, and he offered me absolution and then said, isn't it amazing? You come in here a sinner and you walk out a saint. Mm. Isn't it amazing? Lily white, Lily white, Lily white. Yep. And that's the power, especially, you know, as some of us right now in, as, as we enter into the Christmas season and the start of a new year, I think it's always a really great time to get our butts back to confession. Yep. Um, but the power of that, yep. because it actually restores, they're called mortal sins, because it actually kills the life of Christ right. within us, right. the indwelling of the Holy Spirit yep. within us. And so yep. confession restores that. Right. And I so go, and, and, and I, I, th- I think it's safe to say both of us go, uh, not always because of mortal sins, but also just to confess those less serious sins, because it's just a, it's a, it's a good practice because it's, it's humbling. You yeah. know, you are saying outside, uh, out loud to another living human being, um, your faults. Yeah. And, and th- that's just a, even if you don't need to go to confession per se, it's still a good practice to do, um, because yeah. you get cleaned. And it's good for one's humility. And I need more humility. (laughs) You and me both. Okay, so Chris, you said that, um, uh, I think it was the deacon from your hometown, Mm -hmm. really encouraged you, Dr. Phil, to uh, start reading books, which which were prompting questions in you. And I want to spend the majority of this episode uh, really delving into uh, kind of intentional consumerism, if you will, 
uh, which often I think of in a materialistic sense, but right. I want to focus on it primarily as intentional consumerism of the mind mm-hmm. and uh, the intellectual reality um, of our day. Oh, what's the fabulous quote from that book that um, Bishop DeGroote is having us read right now from Christendom to the Apostolic Age about the primary battle right now is an intellectual one? Yeah. Is that yeah. something like that, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so that, so I had read this in that book and, and that's kind of what had prompted this desire for, for me to have a conversation with you because I'm so much of, of the battle of the world right now is a, is a battle for the intellect is a battle for the mind. Right. And we, I mean, we see this in, in our, um, elections, we see this in our marketing campaigns, we see this all over in, in our world this grasping for the mind of the people right. grasping for the the bought in mind of the of the person right so when you started reading these books that dr phil had recommended for you what started to shift in your um what started to shift in your heart because of the difference in what you were consuming as opposed to maybe before when you were being a total butthead and not engaging in your classes and yep. whatever so I think so I think the the grace or one one of one of the key graces I was given in October of 94 was um a deep uh I have a natural curiosity so by nature I'm curious I I I want to know I've always I've I've been a reader my entire life when you know kind of the traditional boy things um dinosaurs Astronomy and so, uh, and then a huge, it's a big, it's a big that, jump. That's a I'm just going to dinosaurs and astrology. You know, the astronomy, typical... not astrology. <laughs> astronomy. astronomy. Oh. Still big so, jump. Okay. Uh, military stuff. Tom sure. Clancy fed. Um, sure. My conversion, I, but I think the Lord, like the 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 grace that was building on nature, was a desire to know the truth and 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 now the, the specifically the grace was to know the deepest truths about everything mm. um about god about reality about me about his plan for us i could have articulated this in no. october of 94 no, but but that. looking back yeah. now yeah that was the, and, and 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 for me this is so it's like a, a hunger a deep hunger and and in the grace uh, a willingness to to embrace the truth. I, there were very, um, very few, very, I don't know if there were any truths of the faith, Emily, that, and I realize this is a, a grace that not, not everybody re- receives for whatever reason. There were no truths that I encountered that, um, that I deeply struggled with in the sense of, no, I don't want, I, I don't want to accept this. There were things that required a change of my mind uh, and maybe political thinking. Um, so, so an example: um, the death penalty is is like a, a, an easy one. Where I read Saint John Paul II's encyclical, uh, who, um, the Gospel of Life, uh, Evangelium Vitae, which came out a year or two later, and and his explanation of why the death penalty should be used in rare circumstances, and that made it made complete sense to me. Mm-hmm. I, I've been a supporter of the death penalty in high school and early college. This is an example of where I was, oh, okay. And and I accepted the church's teaching. Uh, I think a deeper one, which has taken a little bit longer, but it started then, 
Um, also being a bit conservative in political leanings then, this idea of rugged individualism and pull yourself up by your bootstraps and you can do it on your own, um, that, hmm. that was a shift that I – so self-reliance, um, that was a shift that took longer to manifest itself in my mind, but that's a sh- that, 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 that change in, in vision, that change in understanding of reality because of my Catholic – newly discovered Catholic faith, that's an, an example of how I came to see – something differently. So when you fully embrace the fact that Jesus Christ was the son of God, how did that change your self-reliance? Uh, <laughs> um, like a tsunami where uh, it happened underground, but it didn't, didn't get to shore for a for while. A while. Um, that's still, so pride, that's, that's still a work in progress 20 some years later. I think early on, so this, this is why, as Dr. Phil had said, my conversion wasn't just intellectual. Um, my laziness, some, my, my parents separated um, mm-hmm. during that time. So there were things going on in my life mm-hmm. um, that, that prepared me. So I had, school had come easy to me, uh, but I had, in a, I, I blew it off. I skipped classes. I skipped doing the work. Um, and I literally failed classes because, so I, I was already like, Chris, you're not on top of, like the the thing that it that that you identify as who you are, where you find your identity, academic excellence, was being stripped away. Was I was stripped? I'd thrown it away. You'd thrown it away. I'd thrown it away, and that's probably a way that um, a subtle way in which my my reengagement with my faith, my discovery of our faith, uh, the truth of our faith in particular, early mm-hmm. on. That's that's how it was addressing that. Wow. Okay. So now 20 some ish years yep. later, um, you, <laughs> what amazes me about you is you really are a lifelong learner. Yep. You know, you're, you're regularly sending me, um, videos or a blog post or an article, um, about a myriad of topics. Yep. So not just faith related topics, right. but leadership topics, uh, business principles, mm-hmm. um, you know, that sort of stuff. So I, I really see you as just this lifelong learner <clears throat> and continuing to engage in what you fill your, your mind with. Um, does that come, I'm curious if it comes naturally to you or if you, uh, are easily distracted. I am very uh, easily distracted by stuff that I know is probably not good yeah. for my mind. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yep. Um, and how you just continue to prioritize that uh, that lifelong learner, that that intentional consumerism and and growth of your mind, um, how you've carried that through your journey. So I would say I would say two things. One, I think there is a, a natural thing that's been uh, supernaturalized in terms of my desire to to fill my mind with that deep hunger. Truth, that yeah, you that were deep hunger about. earlier. Yep. But I would also agree with you that I have allowed myself uh, at many times to be very easily distracted. Yeah. Uh, I've, I've talked to you before about a book that I read many, many years ago, probably eight years ago, 10, called The Shallows by a tech journalist named Nicholas Carr. And he named, he identified, and he showed the scientific evidence for something that I have been experiencing. In grad school in the late 90s, um, I, I was able to sit down and read deep, dense theology for hours. Totally. Now, like yeah. in the last 10 years, 10 so what, minutes. So what's, what's the deal? Because I have the same 
problem. So, so what Car identified what the link culture of the internet. So you've got a, your laptop in front of you. So when I'm reading, b- b- because by then, so ten plus years of forming this habit of just read skimming mm-hmm. instead of reading deeply, and then when some, if something's not really like immediately. Uh, fascinating me, I move on. I click 100%. to the next article. 100%. And that literally rewires your brain. I mean, Carr talks in his book about the the neurological responses, looking for the dopamine hit that comes from the rush of something new, new, uh, new stimuli. Um, and then, but doing that deep reading that I did in grad school requires ignoring the need for the hit and it requires not clicking on a way to something else that's more interesting. So how do I rewire my brain to go back so, to the ability to focus? So what I I've I've had to have been deliberate and I, you know, this is a personality the personality comes into this like what I do is probably different than how you would do it. Okay. Um but I I I I try to limit myself to like if I'm going to re- just scan the blogs that I read for something interesting doing that literally two or three times a day. Like when I go out to sort of do a forage for, for information, mm-hmm. I, I I try to be very specific in terms of how many times and how often I do that. Like to go sort of scan what's out there that I, that I would be interested, like being very there. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yes. Then. So kind of putting boundaries. Yes. On your. Habits on yeah like on your how habits. I consume on how you consume. Yep. Then I do try to. Um, this is this is more more at home in particular, Emily. To be honest, I try to read more than I watch. Mm. That's the, a really practical, a, pra- a really practical um, approach. Yeah. So for me, read what I thought, I what I tend to watch tends to be popcorn. You know. <laughs> yeah. Like, like yeah, and, and it's not again. Again, I said never watch, but read more yeah. than I watch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because just the including ha- my phone. Oh, definitely. Like, and for me, I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I love technology. I've got all sorts of devices, but for me, a book, yeah. I, I, I can't. I, I don't magazine want, yeah, book something that sort of yeah. thing where I'm actually engaging my mind and building up the practice of doing that, like something that's going to be. I'll read non or I'll read fiction, but when I'm uh, whether it's fiction or nonfiction, like focusing on on this thing mm-hmm. that I that I want to read, but then being somewhat deliberate about okay, I, I'm I'm not going to five minutes later check my email on my yeah. phone or my f- social yeah. media feeds. Yeah, I almost need to put my phone in another room. Yeah, which I do not do right now, but I feel like that would be helpful for it's, me. So I, I've, I, I, I still make the attempt to do that. It's hard because it's so easy. Oh, I just need to check this. Yeah. So literally I've put it sometimes in my, when I get home, I put it on the kitchen windowsill. I've put it in my bedroom and it's, it always, it always creeps out. Doesn't it? <laughs> it does. Yeah. It does. Right now I'm, I'm, I'm in a bad spot. I'm off the wagon where, where I, I have even tried those things last few weeks. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's probably one thing, but even, even for me, um, the other thing too, what I found, and this is kind of combining the, your question here with the earlier one, my tastes over time have changed. So I, I mentioned briefly, one of my interests in high school was military fiction, Tom Clancy novels. Mm-hmm. I, I, Chris, uh, December is a time when I usually will, will read some, 
um, fiction. This is when I've read many a, a teen dystopia, to be honest, is December. Welcome to the world of right. Harry Potter. Exactly. <laughs> dystopia. That's it. Anyway, um, I picked up a Tom, Nancy, Tom Clancy novel recently, and it's just, there's not enough depth. Really? I, I want, yeah. I, I, my fiction, there has, it has to give me more than just a riveting tale. There has to be some substance. Have you read Michael O'Brien? Oh yeah. I just read, did I tell you I just read my first Michael O'Brien book? Yeah, and it wasn't Father Elijah. I know. I know. I'm going to bring it. If you if you'll read it, will I'll bring it to Will you give it to, it to me? You. Absolutely. I absolutely will yes. read it. Cause because I read I, Clips of the Sun because Moth yep. gave it to me. Yep. And I loved it. Yep. It was difficult to read right now. Yep. Okay. That's a sidebar. We'll come, we'll, we'll talk okay. about okay. that after okay. this podcast because okay. okay. I got a lot of things to say right. about it, but I love fiction because it, yeah, it, it has this power to tell a tale, but if there's not a depth, if there's not an intentionality to the writer, totally, it so, can become, but it doesn't have to be like, so we, we both have read this book called the awakening of Miss Prim. I loved it. I, I loved it. No, that's not like, you know, that's not deep, like deep weighty literature with a capital L, but it is intentional. It's intentional. And it's got substance to it. Yeah. Right. So it, it's not that I need to like, um, uh, read Dostoevsky or whatever went for my fiction. Right? <laughs> oh yeah. Dostoevsky. Me. I yes, love like, him. Uh, <laughs> Brothers Her. Karamazov. No. Emily Leadham. I'm sorry. Catholic studies. Program. Oh, don't you even <laughs> take it back. Fyodor Dostoevsky, but Brothers Karamazov. I probably was assigned it and didn't read it because I don't have the focus. Probably you, that was part of those books that you read. Anyway. Okay. Um, so does that, Yes. Yeah. Okay. So one of the things that, that you're kind of talking about here, I think it, especially in your, I like to, or I try to read more than I watch. Yep. Leisure. Yes. I want to talk about leisure. Yep. The art of leisure, the if you will. Joseph yes. Keeper. Yes. Did you see that, Bergwald? I just, yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, that was me trying to flex my <laughs> philosophy hand at you and it did not work. Um, the difference between leisure and amusement. Yes. Do you read, do you get um spade, the shovel, the sword no. and the spade? No, okay. I know of it. I don't Matt get it. gets it. I'll bring you the copy. <clears throat> this is literally on my mind because I read the first article in it and it was all about the difference between amusement and leisure. Would love for you to talk about Who's it. A, do you remember who it's by? The article, <clears throat> by chance? A guy. <clears throat> okay, so, so one of the professors at your <laughs> alma mater, St. Thomas, University of St. Thomas in St. Paul, um, he's been in our diocese before. He teaches in the Catholic studies, but shoot, it's good. Right. No. No, no, no. He, he was here for the Faith and Business Conference a few years ago. I don't know. Uh, I can't remember his name right now. It's going to, yeah. Anyway, okay. he talks about the difference between leisure and amusement a lot. And, and he, amusement. So, atheism. Theism, atheism. What does the A do? Is it Dr. Bull? Nope. Okay. What does the A, A negates, right? So, a, theism, you add the A to it, becomes atheism, no God. Okay. Theism, belief in God, right? So amusement. If you, no. when you're musing, what are you doing? What does it mean to muse, Emily? Uh, delight in or to to take in or watch. Yeah, I, I think like ponder comes to my okay. mind. You know, to, I'm, I'm musing about something, maybe talking out loud, like sort of kind of like what we're doing in this conversation. Uh, this is a, a, a musing that we're doing. Uh, amusement, the absence of, the lack muse. of musing, muse to muse. So um, amuse, amusement versus leisure. <laughs> like, like an amuse, amusement for, park. No, I'm with you. Amusement. Like an amusement park. Amusement or, park. You don't, there's, there's not a, so. There's no pondering. There's no it's pondering. simply given. Yeah. It's like. Here, or it, taken. It, it's like cotton candy. 
right? You just let's just, and it tastes yeah. good, but there's nothing it's to pretty much it. Air. It's pretty much air. So amusement versus leisure. Um, <laughs> there was. Do I want to say this? Whoever wrote publicly? this article is the guy that you're talking about because that's the example is. that he uses. I cannot remember his name right now. Um, I, I, I'm going to admit this. Um, I went through a CW phase on Netflix where I was into this, the the um, the Flash, Green Arrow. I think there's one more show, and they're totally a CW. They're they're they're, they're teens, early twenties, aimed. That's the audience shows, and I just it was. There, it was all, it was cotton candy. Mm. It was, it was fun, but there was no substance to it. And at a certain point I realized I have X hours in a day or a week or a month to spend my time. And I'm choosing to spend my time basically doing the, 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 I don't know what to call it. Basically to consume cotton candy, to, to feed myself not just my mind, but my spirit with cotton candy instead of something. No, again, I'm not As saying it has to, to be. Steak. It has to be. It doesn't have to be a book, but it could. Be, it could have been something better. Like so, the way it's been described to me with with books in particular, just taking books as an example. Every day, year, I think there's hundreds of thousands of books that are published. Yeah, there's more books written than I'll. There are more great books written than I will ever be able to read yeah. in my lifetime. Yeah. Why would I waste my time reading the equivalent of the, 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 the book equivalent of cotton candy on a regular basis? Yeah. Candy's fine every now and then, but that's when that's my diet rather than, than, than like a great black tie mousse cake. No joke. So, so for me, leisure versus, amu- versus amusement, it, I'm not saying it always has to be like deep and I, it has to be thought provoking, but does it really feed me with some substance? Even if it is sweet, black tie moose cake is, is you, you can't survive on just black tie moose cake, but it's better than cotton candy. There's okay, substance. So for somebody that's like, but I like being able to relax with just the passive, yeah, mindless, yeah. whatever, yeah. blah, 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 blah. Would you still say that authentic leisure is going to be more restful to the human person than amusement? Because I, th- you know what I'm saying? I yep. could see somebody listening being like, okay, but I'd way rather binge Netflix or, you know, curl up with a show. And, but so, does it actually bring rest? I'll, I'll answer that in sort of off, half and way and then substantial way. How's that working out for you? Yeah, no joke. Because for me, it doesn't. Yeah. And I, I just, I, I binged uh, season one and season two of Cobra Kai um, a couple weeks ago. It's like the follow-up to the Karate Kid movie from the 80s. Okay. It was a lot of fun. But. No meat. No meat. Re- and I, it didn't I, actually I love, even bring you rest. I, I love I love that you're using that term. Does it? Did it really satisfy me? Now, again, I'm not against it. Would I rewatch yeah. it? Yes, I'd rewatch it. But would I <laughs> yeah. binge it next? I mean, there's yeah. nothing wrong with amusement. Go to amusement parks. Do the intellectual or whatever. Play. Play. Yeah. Exactly. There's nothing. But it, we're talking about, to me, proportion here. But at least be intentional about it. And that's where, be intentional in the idea, again, uh, read more than you watch. And when you do watch, have yeah. have have what have some intentionality yeah. have some balance i will say one thing that has restored that in our house is we have friday night family movie night mm. and pretty much any other night of the week we don't right. we don't watch right. we just don't watch right i love friday night family movie night so uh, it's so relaxing true confessions um 
Sunday started as family night movie night at the Bergwalds. Yeah. Sunday night has become everybody on their own screens night at the Bergwalds. Bring it back. Yeah. So that, but it requires yeah. intentionality. Yeah. And, totally. and that's how, you know, I mean, like, you, you, you got a spectrum. Exactly. That can yeah. be a challenge to find a movie that appeals to everybody. But yeah. 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 Um, I think actually when when I was thinking about this episode, actually one of the the things that occurred to me in terms of a question that I've been wondering about along these lines. So usually when most people think about leisure, they think about it in an individual sense, but how do you do common leisure? Mm. What's your answer? I don't know. I'm still pondering it. Like how do I, so we have kids from 16 down to eight and then mom and dad. Yeah. And, and it's hard for us to find a common point of leisure. Mm. So that is something that I'm still pondering. <clears throat> wrestling, pondering. Yeah. The other thing I'm pondering is game nights. Yes. Game nights, you but not all our, I love the game nights, but not all of our kids. And I, yeah. Uh, the other thing I've been pondering is um, how do I balance my own need for leisure mm. with our call to be self-sacrificial? I don't have an answer to that I'm just going to keep on yes, I like, <laughs> feeling you know, that conviction. We, That's, it's, self-care, it's self-care, right? Self-care. Yeah, was, yes. I literally was just going to say but, that. But Emily, so, and, and I, and I, I, I'm holding two contradictory things in my mind right now. I get that and I believe that. And then I read about the saints. Yeah. Who were so unconcerned in many ways with themselves. Yes. Themselves. So I'm like, I don't, I don't know how to reconcile those two things yet. Yeah. Because maybe what the difference is, is the saints knew how to authentically leisure, which is actually not self-orientated, oriented, yes, orientated, that's oriented. That's probably true. You know, and, to be, and again, this is going to the one side. The church, This is explicitly in the catechism. Um, we are called to offer all of our time to God. We can even offer our leisure our time. Our leisure. Our leisure time to God. So it can be a priestly offering, if you will. Offer our uh, rest. Exactly. So, so it is, it's something the church extols. It's just for me personally, yeah. integrating that with yeah. our call to, to, to be self-sacrificial, yeah. to love self-sacrificially yeah. um, is something I'm still pondering. What does that look like for Chris Bergwald? Can I give you a simple example? Sure, please. Okay. This is only going to apply to the women that are listening. Okay. I'll also give a man example, but I think that a woman painting her nails or uh, doing makeup or, um, whatever can be authentic leisure. If it's seen as a point of creativity, mm, right. does that make sense? Yep, yep. Like in, in, instead of approached, um, as vanity, but as approached as an art, as right. approached, approached as a, as an outlet for creativity. Yep. Um, I just, I have a memory of painting my nails like two years ago. And it was so life-giving. It was just this, and I don't paint my nails a lot, but it was this really life-giving experience. And I remember being like, why is painting my nails bringing me so much life right now? And it was because I was approaching it with this spirit of creativity. Or from my husband, like he loves to to make stuff. Right. Like he loves craftsmanship and whatever. Um, That's his form of self-care. But it's also leisure for him in the spirit of creativity. It's actually restful and relaxing to him right. to create. Right. I don't know. I got to ponder that more. Yeah. Yeah. Any I think it's an it's 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 a it's a balance or it's an integration that really so there are these two principles and how they come together really it's it's to me a matter of mm-hmm. each one of us has to figure that out for ourselves. Mm-hmm.
Mm-hmm. So I'm still trying to figure it out. Yeah. So I try to do my reading later at night. So I try to be with the kids and Jermaine. Actually, Jermaine and the kids. Um, <laughs> good distinction. Yes. Yeah. That was good. Uh, in the, the most of the evening, and then if I'm doing any reading, I try to make it later. I don't always succeed. Yeah. Or if I'm watching something, I try to make that later. Yeah. The problem is this is the later's after the, the younger ones go to bed, and then the teens are ready to talk. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> so, mm-hmm. so again, I think it's for each of us in our own discernment. Mm-hmm. Matt and I need to get back on the bandwagon of no phones mm. in in our bedroom. Yeah. Kind of thing because it's so easy to yeah check my email or respond to messages or that's one thing I've I've never. And this is just, just part of the difference of, of when um, literally when we grew up, um, that was never a thing for you. Never a thing. Never a thing. We have an alarm. I I have, I have an alarm clock that I bought in junior high, 1986, 87, a a radio alarm clock. And that's still what I used to my, my phone at nighttime is in the kitchen charging. That's not my alarm. It's not the first thing. It's not the last thing before I go to bed. It's not the first thing in the morning because it's not in the room. That's a fascinating generational yeah, it is. observation. Yep. And, and I, there are plenty of people my age who use phones as alarms. So it's. But probably not as many millen- pro- as millennials right. who it's, it's the norm Absolutely, yeah. for many of us. Yep. That's so interesting. Um, okay, I could ask you like a million more questions, but I only have time for one more. So I ask every guest that comes on, lead them to life. Oh. If there's a question that you have been pondering, um, this is so natural to you. There's there's so many different conversations that we've had in the last seven, eight years mm-hmm. that we've known each other of just questions without answers. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and this is my desire to leave... Um, our listeners with something to just be thinking about and continue to ponder um, in the, in the spirit of living intentionally. Right. Um, it can be fun. It can be serious, anything in between, but Chris Bergwald, Dr. Chris Bergwald, <laughs> is there a question that you have been pondering? Well, to be honest, it was the one that I already posed. It's the integration of, okay, flesh it out one more time. So how do I love myself and love my neighbor, both. How do I take care of myself, but self-sacrificially live for a, particularly my wife and my kids? Yeah. And what does that look like in my life? I'm still trying to figure that out. Yeah. Um, so that was one. Um, but the other, the other thing, because I, I know you, you, yeah, I know that you like to leave this question. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you're going to accept this one, Emily, but it's it's the question that, you know that I have two questions that drive everything for me. Why and so what? Yeah. And the second one is has become, the why is always being answered. Why, why, do, why about everything? But what does it matter to my life? And so that's become the driving question for, so that's not really a pondering question, but it's a question that still drives me when I'm teaching. Everything. Everything. What does so this what? matter to my life? So what? Who cares? Hmm. I love and will happily accept that as your second question Thanks. because I think that's the perfect question to end this episode with. Mm. We just laid out a lot yep. of a lot of thoughts and a lot of ponderings about intentional consumerism. What do we fill our mind with? How do we behave? Um, what are the intentional habits that we build up in our lives in order to be well and in order to be whole? So you've listened to this. So what? Amen. Now. All right, friends. Well, thank you so much for listening to this episode. 
Dr. Chris, thanks for joining me. Thanks, Emily, for having me. Uh, I hope that you share this episode with a friend, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>